0: this is Dirt to Dollars hosted by your local county extension agents where we talk everything agriculture. Welcome back to another edition of Dirt to Dollars. This is the week of October the 19th and we are a about out of October. I could, it's kind of happened fast, it seems like. So I'm here today with uh, Daniel Carpenter in LaRue County and Matt Adams in Hardin County. How are you guys this morning?
1: Great. Yep, doing good. Yeah. A little soggy out.
0: I know. We I finally like got it. some rain.
1: <laughs> Go put on my muck boots. Not, not real sure. We maybe didn't get a little too much rain in spots. Yeah.
0: Our creeks are full this morning. That's a good Well, time. now
2: down that way uh grayson county area how much did you all get
0: i saw of course my i was telling you all before we started recording my rain gauge is broken so i don't know how much we got around home but uh any uh, right around two inches is what i'm seeing in some spots now up northern where i'm from Breckenridge, you know north of that mm-hmm. they're they got some i'm seeing four or five six inches in some spots so very spotty but still it's a lot of rain in 24 hours.
1: So I think I had about an inch and a half at the house and it seems like the further North you went, the, the more you got Daniel, how much did you have at your your place? I
2: think we had around two, maybe a little more than two. I think it, I think it must've went from like the most, the majority of that rain must've went like Owensboro, Hardensburg and then up kind of North, maybe into Mead County a little bit Mm -hmm. uh, north of us. But uh, Hodgenville looked like about an inch and a half, Mm -hmm. inch and three quarters maybe.
0: Well, and it's saying since our, I'm looking at the mesonet for for Litchfield, and it's saying that since midnight we've had a half an inch. And I, I'll be honest, it's it rumbled, thundered, and carried on all night long at home. Yeah, it so, ran hard
2: at times. Mm-hmm. It felt like spring rain.
0: It did. Uh, it really did. Yeah. Now I think all the leaves are going to fall off the trees. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you know, right. we've had a really, people have been talking about the fall foliage and how pretty it is, but I think this is probably going to be to its demise, but it'll be all right. So yeah, that, there's,
1: there's still a lot of crop in the field. I mean, we've mm-hmm. had good weather, but the the moisture's hung on on the, on the corn and uh, seems like the beans have held some green on some of the later planted ones. Mm-hmm. So it's, I, there's a lot of guys hadn't really been able to run completely wide open. Right uh the last few weeks so was just hearing us some some dry corn coming out of the field really within the last week or 10 days so mm-hmm. uh we really don't need that good streak of weather to to end quite yet we don't need it to turn
0: right what are they that.
1: talking is it supposed to
0: it's supposed to be warm the rest to... of this week
3: well, yeah i so think they're warm giving some rain this
1: chances into the weekend and then You know, you never can tell that far out, but it seems like off and on rain next week and uh, it just doesn't look real pretty.
0: Yeah. I will. My son's supposed to go on a hunt at LBL this weekend. So I'm I'm hoping it doesn't rain on them all weekend.
2: We've had several uh, instances kind of in our area of field fires, Um, Uh you know, combines that have been running like crazy and getting hot and, sparking up fires and just the dry weather in general the cornfields and a little bit of breeze. Um, this rain ought to help, hopefully help some of that, wouldn't you think?
1: Yeah, yeah, it should. It should, but yeah, definitely get worried about that when it gets as dry as it has been. Cause a lot of times that fodder can just be, can Yo. go up like a match. So I actually heard something this morning uh, regarding field fires uh, talking about evaluating some of your losses after a, after a field fire, it pointed Mm -hmm. some stuff out that a lot of people don't think about is, you know, how much organic matter you lose. Um, Yeah, you can lose some nutrients. And I think i it's been several years ago. I had a, had a phone call from an insurance adjuster because they were trying to, uh, to settle a, an insurance claim on a, on a combine fire that had burnt several acres of corn stalks. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they were wanting to make sure they were they were fair with that guy and figuring out what kind of nutrients he could have lost in that fire. Well, A lot of your nutrients are in the stalk, mm-hmm.
2: so I would think if it burns and it stays there, then the nutrients, for the most part, would still be there.
1: Seems but, like from what I can remember on that re- research, which, of course, it's been years ago, but uh, the best I could find is most of your potassium stays because it's, uh, you know, that's where the term potash comes from is, uh, Ash. is ashes. Uh, but most of them are recycled through there. But, of course, you lose some ashes and embers and stuff in that fire and up through the smoke. Biggest concern that I always see in something like that is, I mean, you're doing away with all that ground cover. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't have mm-hmm. that residue on the ground to to, sew the, to uh, hold the ground through the winter, so, and yeah. that's something later on in the show that we have coming up that we're going to talk about today. Uh, you might want to go on with a cover crop on some of those spots if you had a had an area of the field that burnt, so uh, we have Dr. Aaron Harimoto coming on later on in the show uh, to discuss some cover crop options and uh, discuss some of the research and projects that she's worked on.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So, since we're going to talk about some science and some research topics here later, I think we need to talk about cow hugging. <laughs> Y'all seen this?
0: Yes. In fact, I saw that yesterday morning, and of course, obviously, I texted you guys a picture of the screen, and I thought, huh, they're talking about that, and really, the science behind it, I mean, I mean, I wonder what the science is behind it. I mean, I could see it, but I mean, cows make everybody happy, but... <sighs> so like how
2: lucrative is this business? Like are we talking I don't know.
0: I was wondering the same thing. Is it kind you of like the goat yoga? if people yoga? like
1: to like to hug a sheep. Yeah. <laughs> come come hug them.
0: Love me some lambs. Yeah. So it's it's one of those things that the article or the news report was saying that cow, hugging cows has been proven to release anxiety and you know and to help people feel better by hugging them, and my thought was is okay. So how are they hugging them and where are they hugging them? Because, I mean, the cows I am around, you can't really get that close to. So. You know, I wonder what the context is that. Is well, the that.
2: same the same article that I was reading about it said that actually the cows like it too, and that they experience well, yeah. relaxation and pleasure from human contact. Okay. <laughs> I don't think that applies to all cows.
0: I don't know has been the cows so in this either. study.
1: Yeah.
2: Now,
0: I will also say, in 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 all seriousness, the in regards to the hugging part of it, you know, Doctor uh, Oh.
1: Temple Grandin.
0: Thank you, Dr. Temple Grandin. She did all of that research. You know, I mean, she's autistic herself. So that is one of the things that when she would do the the whole development of the squeeze chute, you know, being closed up and tight helps release some of that. And so I I don't think they're hugging
1: these cows, trying to get them to go up an alley or anything. I don't don't think that 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 lowers the cow's anxiety at all.
0: (laughs) Well, but I'm saying as far as the scientific is, is. You know, we do that for production purposes because it's been proven that it helps, you know, there's a reason behind that. But as far as actually going up and hugging a cow, I don't really know that that helps.
2: (laughs) And I was really wondering when I read this article, and it's a very recent article. I mean, this is a very recent thing that's came out. They didn't talk about if you can catch COVID from a cow (laughs) hugging it. I would (laughs) think that would have been a topic where it'd be like, "Uh uh-uh, can't be be doing that. Can't be hugging those cows. Too close. They they could carry COVID possibly. Mm Mm-hmm. So maybe we have to wear a mask to hug them or maybe the cow has to wear a
1: mask. I don't know. Who are we worried about here? Supposed to be wearing the mask. Yeah.
0: Well, I
2: don't know. Maybe if you hug it for less than 15 minutes.
0: (laughs) Yeah, maybe so. Or, but speaking of hugging, uh, you all are making fun of me too. Last night we had a little bit of thunder. You know, we had a few storms come through and my dog is elderly. And so he doesn't, Really enjoy them too much anymore. He he used to not, it used to not bother him at all. But we bought him a thunder shirt, and the same rule applies. It's,
2: and what is a, light, I mean, what is a thunder shirt?
1: Hey, so you, you know what I think of when you say thunder shirt? Thunder mm-hmm. buddies. No, you know, the, <laughs> what is it? The flash or whatever, the shirt mm-hmm. that Sheldon on Big Bang Theory. Yeah, that's no. what I think of when I think of
0: Look it up. It's, it's a, it's supposedly, now, like I said, I bought this because thinking maybe, because he kept me up all night last night. And I, I think, you know, maybe this is something that could help him, which it didn't too much. But I think it helps ease him a little bit. It's a little, uh, it's got elastic in it. And it's a, it's a little thing that goes around the top of his shoulders. And it's like an maybe. Under
2: Armour shirt. An it's kind of like an Under Armour shirt,
0: mm-hmm, like compression, and so it's got Velcro on it. You can tighten it and loosen it, and it's supposed to help relief, you know, help with some anxiety. So, I don't know. Hmm. I don't know. I can't say verdict is still out on it. I'm. I've only used it a couple of times, and like I said last night, it was already past the point they say you're supposed to put it on when you're when storms are starting to come. You know, but I, that was way too late for that. So.
1: So it didn't work. Yeah. Long story
0: uh, short. Yeah. So what else is going on in your Alls counties? Do we uh have any uh interesting programming going on or how are, you've been I know Matt, you've probably still been out in the fields, not today, but in the last week or so getting a lot of plots harvested up. Yeah, I've got a stack
1: full of yield contest entries to uh get tidied up and finished in now that it that uh now that it's rained, so when you're doing doing two or three a day, they just kind of get thrown on a stack on the desk and mm-hmm. say, I'll finish that when it rains. And yep. then it doesn't rain for two or three weeks. So. Yeah. Well,
2: you got a couple of days to work on them now,
1: I think. Yeah. Looks like it.
2: I will um, say I've been hearing people talk about CFAP still. Mm-hmm. Um, several comments, people that had no idea what CFAP was. And I guess we'll just take this, make this our weekly segment to promote it and say, yeah. Hey, call farm service agency and mm-hmm. get signed up for CFAP. And, and if you've already neighbors. signed up for it, tell your neighbors and tell yeah. somebody. Cause that seems to be, you know, we're, we're putting it on the show. It gets talked about in the newspapers in our counties and on social media. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's still people that, that aren't seeing that for whatever reasons. And uh, that may be the only communication that they get about some of this stuff is is from a neighbor or from you know right. uh, crossing paths with somebody at the gas station or um, maybe at church if you're starting to go back to church and stuff now uh, you know if you know a farmer and you've kind of gone through this and and, and got signed up for it share with them how easy it was because <laughs> we need to get we need to make sure that money gets divvied out to our our areas because that commerce. money will help our economies yeah so it
0: sure will make sure to make sure to let, let your folks know. And I guess we're a little lucky in Gregson County cause we're right next door to them. And so people come in to our office and they'll ask. And so we can just send them right next door. But in some instances, it's not always, you know, in like your all counties, you all probably need to, you know, they need to call. So it's, you know, make sure you let your folks know. So back on the topic
1: of crop yields, what are you all hearing? In Larue and Grayson County, as far as good average,
0: I'm hearing good, good hearing to real really
2: good. good. I don't, I don't so, know that there's any records being broken. Yeah, that's the, the interesting average.
1: thing that I've found. Is it seems like, and I've talked to two or three people about this. You're, I think our average is going to be really good because it seems like what's usually the droughtier, poorer yielding fields are yielding really good, but maybe Mm -hmm. the sweet spots aren't really all that sweet this year. Right. Uh, I know I've been a little surprised in what I've seen contest entry wise that I thought we would have had some stuff that was a lot better.
0: I would uh, just say consistency is what it is for us. You know, we've had a lot of, it's, it's more across the board. You're not seeing really, really high and then really, really low. You're just seeing everybody's doing fairly decent. Yeah.
1: So, think like I said last week, we'd got started at home on corn harvest a little bit. Uh, and we actually put a yield monitor in the combine before this fall. So, it's interesting to watch it. You know, I'm trying not to get too caught up in it and snapping <laughs> pictures, uh, telling everybody I'm making 300 bushel corn or anything. But, but it's interesting to watch it and pick out where the good spots and the bad spots are mm-hmm. on the field uh, and being able to go back and look at those yield maps and see – how stuff correlated. And it seems like I'm seeing on my kind of rough rolling red clay hills, I'm seeing some of my better yields up on top of those hills mm-hmm. where you'd usually think your better yields would be down in the bottoms. Yeah. So I don't know if we, Well, it's that water. If those, yeah. yeah I think maybe water we, for we had those hills, a, but
2: you had too much for those. Had too bottom much
1: bottoms. for those bottoms. And I, I mean, I don't think we, drowned any crop out really but maybe we stayed saturated enough to mm-hmm. lose some nitrogen or
0: yeah I mean that could be a very some disease point.
1: pressure in those bottoms that we didn't have on the hills or what but it's just it's weird and it's been really eye-opening to be able to watch that as the combine goes across the field this year
0: well and it's interesting you said that you've seen a lot more dry corn go in this week you know we talked about the whole disease pressure and the fungicide there was a lot of fungicide put on this year Mm -hmm. so i was surprised like you said to see how dry some of it was
1: yeah and everything that i've heard of that's coming off pretty dry is all stuff that didn't have fungicide on it Mm -hmm. Uh, and it's still yielding really well i think i think we probably got it right that that early crop probably didn't need that fungicide application the Mm -hmm. later crop did. Yeah, because uh, I've also heard some horror stories of some later planted corn that's been harvested that was really bad.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, just because the just because southern rust came in and just killed, wiped it, it out. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I think we probably needed it late, early,
0: maybe not. I so think much.
1: we were, yeah, we were probably wise in skipping that, especially with corn prices what they were at the time that that needed to be sprayed. Now, hindsight's twenty twenty, and we're sitting at cash bid almost a dollar higher than we were at that time but uh yeah but yeah I think that was probably a, a wise choice and it's given some people some dry corn to be getting out now not have those drying charges and associated costs with that
0: has has uh, I don't know do you have a lot of I'm switching topics just a tad but have you have a lot of fall cavers in your counties I mean are they doing are you here in um, good things about that is everybody doing okay as far as that's concerned.
1: Seems like we, it. From I was gonna say we do. We know.
0: You know, I always get nervous this time of year because we have we've in the past have had some anaplasmosis issues and some you know late abortion type problems, and so I'm not hearing that this year, which makes me I'm I'm glad of that. <laughs> that's kind well, of where I was going with that.
1: I'm still getting some questions on prussic acid. Mm -hmm. And probably Mm -hmm. rightfully so, because until Saturday morning, Mm -hmm. uh, most of this county, I don't think we had really had a hard killing freeze. I mean, it Mm -hmm. was just enough to enough of a frost to kind of nip stuff and make it dangerous. Mm -hmm. Uh, But especially this morning coming in, you could see a lot of the Johnson grass you could tell is dead now. Mm -hmm. Uh, It still needs some time to kind of dry out before you completely negate that. Press what the do they say? Three
0: to five days to do that. Is that correct? I
1: don't... After a hard freeze, I yeah. think it's closer to a week. Okay. You basically want that plant to be dried out and warm. Okay. Or dried out and brown. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I've noticed some of the double-crop soybeans that were uh, still holding pretty green in the bottoms. You can tell they got nipped pretty hard over the weekend. Uh, so yeah, I think I think we got more of a of a widespread killing frost Saturday than we had had in that last round of cold weather.
0: Yeah, it was pretty chilly over the weekend. I spent most of my day outside and evening and longer than I thought I would, but we, it was pretty chilly. (laughs) I don't, I say I'm ready, but I don't know that I am.
2: (laughs) I'm ready. I liked it cold. I can wear my hooded sweatshirt and I didn't get too hot I thought it was a good day. Just, have just you had cool a really bad winter? Is,
0: yeah, but have mm-hmm. you had a have you had a winter yet though that you have uh, had to deal with a lot of mud and and nasty with your sheep though? No. Okay.
2: But I we'll shouldn't. revisit that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: If this grass that I sowed doesn't come up, I may have a problem with it this year. But other than that, I don't. The way I've got it set up, I shouldn't have too much issues with mud and sheep. Mm-hmm. But. I don't know if I had cattle, maybe I might yeah. not like it too much. It might look more like my father-in-law's place and just be a mud hole all the time. Yeah. Don't tell him I said that. <laughs> I hope he doesn't listen. hear it. <laughs> I was going to say.
1: Speaking of, of in-laws and this time of year, Daniel did, uh, did you get in trouble last week for, for getting any kind of a certain date? Um, uh, what date? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, uh, Last week was both. How do you word this? <laughs> <laughs> was uh, the anniversary of yeah Daniel and I proposing to our spouses.
2: Yeah, and it wasn't. That's it wasn't planned, a, but we both yeah, asked kind of our wives to that, yeah marry us on the same day.
1: Same day, about the same time. We had both been at a at an event. That day, yeah, uh, yeah, kind of ironic, but that yeah. always come comes up this time of year that we we proposed on the same days.
2: Great
0: yeah. minds think alike, I, I guess. I
2: wasn't, I wasn't in any trouble. I don't think. <laughs> I guess you didn't listen to last I week's. S-
0: I said as long as you remember the anniversary as far like your actual wedding anniversary, that's probably a little more you can get away with not remembering the, the anniversary. Longer, it, like the longer you're easier. married, the
2: more it's like it used to be, okay, the anniversary of your first date, the anniversary when you first yeah. met, the anniversary when you're a first official boyfriend and girlfriend, the anniversary mm-hmm. of what all this that you gotta keep up with. But now Mm-hmm. Now I just need to keep up with uh, June 22nd.
0: <laughs> yeah. Now date. I will say that I still remember, cause like I said, and, and I've told this story a hundred times, but my husband and I dated started dating in high school. So I remember the date we started dating and then I remember our engagement date and then our wedding date. And then that's, I mean, that's kind of it. But as far, I mean, we don't celebrate it or anything, but it's just one of those dates that I remember. And, uh, but we don't, you know, we're just excited that we got to spend a day together without any kids or anything like that on our anniversary this year. So I'm, you know, I'm pleased.
1: So isn't it easier to keep up with that kind of stuff now than it used to be because you have
0: Facebook
1: and Facebook memories and all that kind of stuff that usually typically pops up and reminds you of that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, but you'll, I don't know about you, Matt, but I was the first, maybe the second group To get Facebook in college. Facebook was brand new whenever I started college. And so any of that high school stuff was not. I mean, I had to go I had to go back and look in my agendas when I wrote it down, you know, you know. I had an agenda in high school. school. We have little agendas. Yeah. Shoot, what I mean, heck, I lived by my agenda. I I I love that kind of stuff. I wasn't much
2: of an overachiever in high school.
0: Well, I well, I wouldn't say I was an overachiever. I just, I was a little bit OCD. I still am. So I wrote everything down, but that's probably why I can't remember anything right now. So it was one of those, Facebook was new and I didn't, so now, you know, that's that's the only thing I know is my freshman year of college on. And have you ever gone back to see what you've written in Facebook like 10 years ago? And you're like, I don't, I, yeah,
2: I don't want to. I don't <laughs> want I to say say that. that? It's, it's not good.
0: I mean, that's like that, said, ever...
2: that was when it was just college yes. on Facebook. Yeah. And yes. I was the first group. Like I was a sophomore <laughs> yes. in college yes. when it started. And I don't and want to know what I wrote.
0: Well, and I don't have like bad stuff, but I'm like, nobody cared. I don't either. That but it's I, just
2: not impressive. Yeah. Nobody <laughs> cared that I was going home warts. that weekend, you know, yeah. or that I
0: was going <laughs> out to do this, you know. So,
1: bored in your dorm room at 11 yeah. o'clock
0: at mm-hmm. night. <laughs> exactly. So,
2: when you're um, talking about records and agendas and all this stuff, I, yeah. I don't know where I've been, but, you know, we, we do a lot of our show prep on notes. So, like, we right. share notes. And sort of plan our show from week to week based on what we're hearing and uh, what's going on in, in our counties. And uh, and we can kind of keep track of that. I didn't realize this until this week and how f- helpful this was. But did you know you can like scan documents into yeah. notes? Yes. I, didn't, I had not idea like I'd about that. Seems like I read that, that somewhere. It's a newer- and it works really well. And it's very easy to do for like scanning receipts for things. For some
1: reason, it's supposed to be better than taking a picture, right? And it's something about file size or something. You're taking a picture, but it like zooms Mm -hmm. into the page. So it like it just keeps that square Mm -hmm. of the page. And I think it saves it a little differently so it doesn't take up a lot of space. And I'm bad about like taking pictures of stuff to go back and reference later on my phone. Like Mm -hmm. I'll take a picture of a field map for something and mm-hmm. then i'm um, I, I might take a picture of it in july to do something and come back in october and i'm scanning back through my pictures trying to find it right uh, yeah. so i guess it would probably be a little easier on something like that right yeah, where you've got a folder you can go yeah. in and yeah so it's like it would be in your notes and you would have it saved
0: under and for school yeah i think the reason i I don't know. I was reading something about, you know, school kids going to school and starting back and, you know, being at home and all that documentation and you know, that goes along with all of that. And that was one of the things that they talked about was that if you needed to scan a document and email it, you could do it through notes on the phone and email it to a teacher or whatever. So, yeah. Anyway,
2: cool. I don't know. There may be some farming things, you know, some different things you could do with what your records you keep on the farm with that. But it was, um, very helpful uh,
1: to me for uh, uh, receipts for getting reimbursed for some stuff on the farm. Speaking of being helpful, do y'all remember the, uh, I think it was a beer commercial a few years ago, Real American Heroes or something? Yeah. Mm-hmm. They go into a big monologue about a certain trade or whatever.
0: Mm-hmm. It started
2: so what it at- out as being real men of genius.
1: Yeah, that
2: was it,
0: it. That's right. That's
1: exactly
2: what. That's it is. right. Yeah,
0: yeah,
1: yeah. And then it changed, but it did change to real American heroes. Okay. Did okay. Change it. I'm not crazy then. So, I, <laughs> I, I, for some Just reason, I I was thinking this week what what are some harvest heroes? You know, we always want to talk about how important the farmer is, and kind of got me to thinking about some other industries in agriculture that support the farmer that maybe don't get as much of a shout out as as others. Uh, your extension agents. Yeah. That, that was one that I was going to point out. Okay. So you've uh, got you your said farm-wise,
0: right? Yeah. You said you're, okay. You've um, got
1: fertilizer and seed salesmen. A mm-hmm. lot of people, Daniel, you know how much time they put in this time of year. and You, you
2: really appreciate the
1: good ones <laughs> when they're coming <laughs> out and they're, you know, helping
2: you. And a lot of times, you know, measuring yields or coming out after hours, you know, they're yeah. not... They're not selling you something. They're they're helping you, and mm-hmm. and that's.
1: Um, but yeah, yeah, that's where the those kind of separate themselves. I see pictures, maybe not so much this year because of COVID, but in the past of uh, some of these ag services coming out and bringing meals to the field when they come uh, come and visit a farmer, or uh, maybe helping move equipment while they're there or something like that. There's just a a lot of people in those. Mm-hmm. types of jobs that that help out that kind of go unnoticed this time of year so uh yeah. just kind of kind of occurred to me that they probably deserve a shout out
0: and and like you said those folks that are out and about and i even think about just even your family and neighbors that are helping even if it's managing kids or getting something from one place to the other or uh you know running you out lunch or you know little things like that that, that get you know, usually,
1: well, and up. you even think about I thought about this weekend, the fuel guy,, mm-hmm. that's something you don't think about, but if you don't have diesel fuel in the tank <laughs> going into a weekend, then you're gonna be shut down, so
0: yeah, that's true,
1: uh, you know, they're important this time of year, truck drivers, we had a truck driver this weekend that kind of on his own time, offered to take an extra load on Sunday because the elevator was gonna be open and mm-hmm. and get us a couple more trucks this weekend to keep us moving, so yeah, um. Uh, just people like that, they, they need to be appreciated.
0: Yep, I would agree with that. And we're going into, you know, that's a, that's a pretty good time. We're going into November, and I think that's more of a thankful type season in just in general. So we appreciate all those out there helping us. So
2: now that we've gotten some moisture and mm-hmm. uh, gotten some rain and kind of feel better about maybe getting some stuff seeded, I think now would be a good time to, to talk to our guest.
0: Well, today we have with us Dr. Erin Haramoto. She is an associate professor for plant and soil sciences at UK, and she's kind of part of the weed program, and she's been working a whole lot uh, on cover crops, and actually that's kind of why we have you here today. Uh, we're glad you could join us. Thanks. So how did you, so how did you get to UK? Uh, give us a, just a couple of minutes of background as, as far as how you got where you're here
3: today. I started at UK, uh, yeah, in August of 2014. I came pretty much straight from Michigan State University where I worked on my degree um, actually in vegetable systems, but also using cover crops and reduced tillage up there. It's a little harder to do complete no-till. It's a lot further north. It's a lot colder. And then also in vegetable systems, there are some additional challenges that we don't have in our more agronomic crops. So um, that's what I was doing before I came here. Uh, more immediately before I came here.
1: So getting straight into the cover crop talk here, what are uh, some of the most common species that uh, we see planted here and that you see be successful here in the state of Kentucky?
3: So in our agronomic cropping systems, we see a lot of cereal rye and wheat. And I will mention first that cereal rye is a really different plant than annual ryegrass. So if you hear the word rye thrown around or ryegrass, Um, Just make sure that you're dealing, or you're talking about the same thing. So cereal rye is a grain, it's more similar to wheat, whereas annual ryegrass, we know more from forages. They behave really differently as cover crops, They're planted really differently. Um, We tend to not really promote the use of annual ryegrass, uh, and especially in systems that are gonna grow wheat for a couple of reasons, Um, in particular, because it can be really hard to kill in the spring. But anyways, um, cereal rye and wheat are among our more um, popular cover crop options, especially in these systems. They can be planted relatively late. They grow pretty well through the fall. Um, cereal rye tends to do a little bit better in these kind of marginal temperatures. It has a lower base growing temperature than wheat does. Um, but we kind of prefer wheat over cereal rye. In some situations, uh cereal rye, if you know if you grow it in the spring, you can be get have to stay out of the field because it's too wet to kill it. And then a week later you come back and it's like two feet taller. Um, so yeah. it grows really quickly in the spring, whereas wheat tends to not do that as much. So there are some advantages and disadvantages to both of those. Uh, in terms of other types of cover crops that work well in our agronomic systems, we can use some legumes, like crimson clover is a good choice. Uh, we tend to get fairly constrained with planting time. That species does best if it's planted really towards the end of September in central Kentucky, uh, or, uh, later, sorry, in western Kentucky. Uh, We can plant it, you know, in October, but it just doesn't, it doesn't establish quite as well as it would do if it was planted earlier.
2: It doesn't, I guess with, when you're, when you're talking about legumes, is it, you want that time to get some nodules formed in the ground? Like, so you can have some, maybe some nitrogen left over. Is that some of the benefits from getting it in earlier?
3: Yeah, that's part of it. And then also it's just, it's a small seed. It takes a little bit longer to get established. So Mm -hmm. the risk, it doesn't, it won't cover the ground very well if you plant it by itself, especially later. That's why we often plant it in mixtures. Um, And then if it does not get established well, it could just be outcompeted by those small grains in the mixture, like wheat or cereal rye. But yeah, so the other constraint with those legumes is that, um, you know, we tend to kill cover crops pretty early in the spring here. And so to get to your question about nitrogen and nodules and everything, if we're killing crimson clover when it's only a few inches tall, we're not getting quite as much nitrogen benefit out of it as right. if we let it go later. A lot of those plants will grow a lot, put a put on a lot of biomass in the spring.
1: So here's a question I have talking about the nitrogen credit on some of these legumes. Is most of that nitrogen uh, that's recycled, is it coming out of the biomass on top of the ground or the root systems or the nodules or what? what do you all see as far as that's concerned? <laughs>
3: Great question. Um, So I might defer to some of my soil science colleagues on that. Uh, Dr. Hannah Poffenbarger, who's uh, been at the UK for a couple of years now, is doing a lot of research on root uh, root biomass and how much nitrogen they can contribute. And my short answer is it's all going to contribute, especially in no-till, where we kind of keep all that material intact. And for a lot of these plants, they can be producing as much or a pretty substantial chunk of below ground biomass that we never see.
1: Yeah I know that's one thing that uh some of the farmers in my area have come to realize is that you know you don't have to have that four feet of biomass above the ground it's it's as much about what you're seeing below the ground as anything.
3: Yeah that is a big part of it and the composition is pretty different too so You have to worry about the carbon to nitrogen ratio and all that when you're thinking about how quickly things are going to decompose. But especially as you start, as you keep doing, using cover crops year after year, um, the amount of material in the soil from roots and on the soil uh, and the interaction between the two really helps with nutrient availability in the soil.
1: So what about seeding rates on some of these more, more popular species? I know that's something that's we as a university have kind of went back and forth some over the last few years after some research that's been done. I know the, some of the folks at the university have worked with NRCS to maybe get some of their uh, seeding rates changed a little bit based on what you all have seen. What do you, what's your all's thinking on seeding rates now?
3: Yeah. So seeding rates uh, for one, it's going to depend on how you're going to plant the cover crop. So If you're going to use a drill uh, and actually get the seed in the ground, you can use lower seeding rates. If you're going to be broadcasting it, we generally recommend towards the higher range of seeding rates because not all of those seeds are going to turn into plants because they don't get good contact with the soil and stuff. So that's one thing to consider. Um, Another thing to consider might be like your kind of general experience level with this. So if you've been using cover crops for years and you're pretty comfortable with how and when you're going to be killing them off in the spring, you might be able to use a slightly higher seeding rate. That might get you more ground cover early on, for example. Uh, if you're relatively new to this, you might want to stick with the lower seeding rate. Um, that might is going to just provide you a little bit less risk in the spring. Now that being said, like yeah, some of our research has shown that if you're only looking at above ground biomass for cereal rye or wheat, for example, you can get just as much biomass out of 30 pounds of seed as you can from 80 pounds of seed. Um, But biomass is some of the equation with cover crops. It's not all of the equation. So one thing that some of our research has shown is that ground cover, especially early on in the fall and winter, uh, does tend to be higher when you use those higher seeding rates. So you do kind of have to think about what you're trying to get out of this. Mm -hmm. Um, In addition to how you're gonna plant, So yeah, these small grains, cereal rye, I would say somewhere around 50 pounds per acre. I think the NRCS requirements are still for uh, higher than that. Um, Again, though, those higher seeding rates will help you get more ground cover early on. Uh, Legumes, it's lower, their seeds are smaller. Uh, And then mixtures, generally you want to be cutting the seeding rate of each component in half. There are some exceptions to that. Like if you are going to plant a mixture of crimson clover and a small grain, for example, you really want to get a lot of that crimson clover in there you might not cut the crimson clover rate in half you might just cut it by a little bit to try to increase the amount of um, clover plants that would end up in that mixture.
1: And I'll throw a little bit of a plug in here for a publication that I think you've had some input in redoing Um, our grain and forage crops uh, field guide I think is now called the grain forage and maybe cover crops field guide and has a has a cover crop section in there uh, with a lot of those seeding rates that you all recommend and the benefits and whatnot of the different cover crops, right?
3: Yeah, AGR 18, um, you can find online and uh, you can, I don't know if you guys have it as poster sizes at your offices too. Um, So that's a good uh, source for seeding rates. We also have a number of um, fact sheets, cover crop fact sheets on a website uh, with a group that I'm affiliated with. It's the Southern Cover Crops Council. So if you go to southerncovercrops.org, uh, you can find information sheets that include seeding rates about various um, species. And we don't have that populated for large for parts of Kentucky yet. Uh, if you go to that website and you click on the state of Kentucky, you'll see that only certain counties are populated. But you can pick, um, and, oh, sorry, and you also go by your production system, so you want to pick row crops. Mm-hmm. But if you select one of the other counties, uh, either in the state or kind of bordering us um, in Tennessee, maybe, you'll at least get a, a pretty pretty good look about what we recommend for those. We're, we're still in the process of tweaking those for um, central and most parts of Western Kentucky too. I'll
2: throw another cover crop question in here. So it's typically, like if we... We just got some rain here recently, and if anybody had even had some cover crops seeded in the last three or four weeks, we haven't had enough rain to even get those coming. Uh, so I don't think there's been a lot put in. If we start getting questions late in the year, what are some good late season cover crop ideas? Uh, it seems to me like I remember rye being a good option for late, maybe a little better option than wheat when you get later in the in the fall. Um, what, what's your opinions on late cover crops?
3: Yeah, once we start to get into November, cereal rye is really kind of the only game in town, if you will. And it's not (laughs) going to be the best cover crop. The later you seed it, uh, it's still going to have some challenges, right? Especially with the weather, and we have no idea what the weather is going to do this fall. So if it does just stay cold, it'll maybe come out of the ground and just kind of hang out as a little spikelet. Um, And so it is still weather dependent. But once you do get into November especially the later part of November, if you really want to get something out there, cereal rye is it. And where that's really going to help is um, it might not provide a lot of ground cover through the, the first part of the winter, but when it does start to warm up again in the spring, you know, we can get some of those really wet um, conditions in the spring. That's when it will help hold that soil in place. Mm-hmm. So it just kind of depends, again, if you think that that's worth doing.
0: Right. And I guess one of the things that our farmers in our area use cover crops for is more weed suppression than, they do it for soil health too, but for weed suppression. And as you are probably very familiar, we're getting more and more weeds coming up in the fall, it seems like, than even in the spring. So, um, you know, do you have any suggestions on types? Like I said, we've talked about a few different ones, but rye, weed, what are some good ones for
3: weed suppression? Yeah, so this brings up a really good point. Um, I, I try to always recommend cover crops based on what a particular grower wants them to do. Mm-hmm. So if they want ground cover, you might recommend X. If they want weed suppression, mm-hmm. if they want nitrogen for the next corn crop, um, the recommendations might vary. And so it's really important mm-hmm. to think about like what are the primary goals. Uh, yeah, so weed suppression, it's really those small grains that are the best at weed suppression. And that's for a couple of reasons. One, again, they can grow throughout those winter periods. So we tend to get more biomass accumulation. And, but they're really most effective in covering the ground. And so keeping light off the soil. And so competing with those tiny weed seedlings for for light is really important. Uh, Additionally, some of our weed seeds can actually need light to germinate even. So keeping the light off um, the soil and also changing the light spectrum, which I could talk about this forever, but I <laughs> won't, um, can help decrease even the germination and emergence of some weed species. Yeah, so it's really those small grains that are gonna be most helpful for suppressing weeds that do come up in the fall. A lot of our research is looking at um, how cover crops contribute to suppressing mares tail or mm-hmm. horseweed, weed, um, which can, it seems like it can come up pretty much at any time of the year. We had a flush this year uh, in this region like as soon as seeds were produced in the middle or end of August. So, um, getting cover crops in the ground can really help manage that species. Um, it, it, we, some of our research has shown that even if you plant the cover crop later, mm-hmm. uh, it can help outcompete some of those tiny mare's tail seedlings, decrease their density, so that if you do have a problem with that in the fall and you're worried about them overwintering and becoming a problem in the spring and maybe not being able to kill them off in time in the spring. Uh, we might, we can really get some good uh, benefits out of that cover crop for mares tail management. And it helps, they help too with just other winter weeds. So, purple dead nettle, hen bit, common chickweed. And we've shown that the more, um, again, the more ground cover, the more biomass you have over the winter, uh, you just have much less biomass of those weeds. And it's a pretty stark and direct relationship <laughs> between that.
1: So speaking of weeds, I've noticed in the uh, cornfields that I've been in as they've been harvested this fall, seems like for whatever reason, we've already kind of got a flush of uh, of some of those inter- winter annual weeds coming up underneath the corn. Does that affect anything on your recommendations as far as seeding goes if you're going with a co- cover crop this fall in those fields?
3: Again, it kind of depends like how you're going to plant the cover crop, how even that stand is going to end up being. One of the nice things about wheat and rye is if you can get them in the ground, they're pretty aggressive plants, so they can be pretty effective in out competing things. Um, so we haven't really looked that closely at like kind of a critical size of these weeds when they're when the weed is actually going to be able to outcompete a cover crop like that. Um, that's an interesting question um, but generally we can sow some we can sow those two species into some some weeds that are maybe three or four inches tall, and they'll still be pretty effective in in knocking them back. They might not lead to complete mortality of those weeds, but um, they're pretty effective in suppressing.
1: Um, I know we've talked a little bit about uh, different seeding methods. Uh, What are some some seeding methods that you see that work well and what are some that maybe don't work well work as well as others
3: so this fall um, with the rain that we've just had especially last week and today um, broadcasting would probably be an effective method Um, we've seen broadcasting kind of fail miserably when it's really dry in the fall you can picture why that is you put a bunch of seed on the soil surface, if there's not moisture there for it to germinate pretty quickly, um, it's gonna get eaten by things. It might germinate, but then if it doesn't get more rain, it's just gonna shrivel up and die if it gets hot. And then you also, if you don't have moisture, you just don't, you're decreasing the chances of good seed to soil contact. So broadcasting is a little, it can be a little iffy um, if if we don't have wet soil conditions. Um, but this, with Given the weather this year, um, it would probably be effective. We generally recommend drilling just because it does lead to a better, a more even stand, more even establishment too, but recognizing that not everyone's gonna have access to a drill, not everyone has time to do that in the fall. Uh, And then two, wet soil conditions might keep you from doing something like that. Um, Other parts of the US will use aerial seeding through helicopter, mm-hmm. from helicopters or airplanes at certain times, um, usually a little bit before harvest uh, so that you can get the, the stover on as kind of a mulch layer. Um, you don't wanna be spreading seed on a bunch of um, stover after it's been harvested, for example, again, because you're not gonna get that good seed-soil contact. So it just kind of depends on the conditions. Again, drilling's kind of the, um, the gold standard for planting, if you will, but not everyone can do it in every mm-hmm. year.
0: It sounds like sometimes it's better to get it on at whatever way you can versus not getting anything on at all.
3: So yeah, and again, that kind of depends, you know, that's gonna hold true for certain um areas of the state and certain topographies where having that cover is really essential. That would be um, my area. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> we have a lot of have a lot of hillsides. So Yeah. And so keeping that ground covered so yeah. we can kind of lessen our erosion problems is is really critical.
2: Some people utilize their cover crops for grazing also. Do you Mm -hmm. have any, any kind of tips for if you're picking out some, some cover crop species for grazing?
3: Yeah. So that's a, another good question. And some of them will be better again. Sorry. Some of them are going to be better for this than others. We've done a little bit of research looking at kind of just a couple of different grazing patterns and, and mixtures of either cereal rye and crimson clover or wheat and crimson clover. Um, so in our experiment, we were actually able to look at kind of bovine preference, if you will, because we had plots of these kind of side by side, and um, we just we noticed that the the cows seemed to prefer the wheat mixture. They initially went to the rye mixture because it was so much bigger, but then they ended up in the wheat mixture. Um, so I think if you are going to be grazing, there are different species that you could consider too that are just going to be provide different types of nutrition right and so i would do a little bit of research on that to figure out what might be the best the best option then it depends too like are you only going to graze it once in the spring do you want something that's going to regrow so that you can graze it maybe a couple times if that's an option for you Mm -hmm. um yeah so In terms of like, how does that change your benefits uh, that you're gonna get from the cover crop? Again, as we mentioned earlier, like all that root material is still gonna be there. If you can get something that will regrow, um, you might be getting kind of, that's that's a huge benefit. Um, You're still gonna be, while that cover crop is growing, suppressing all of those winter weeds. And then maybe even, you know, residue at planting time. So we're talking like corn or soybean planting time in the spring can be either good Or it can be bad. So depending on how you're managing this system and what you're going to plant next, um, you might be removing some of that residue that can be interfering with planting physically, that might be keeping the soil a little bit wetter and cooler in the spring. So again, it kind of depends on um, your operation, your experience level, and then a little bit on the weather, whether or not residue, a lot of residue is good for you at at planting time.
1: All right. Well, I think that's about all the time we have for today. We'd like to thank you again for coming on and joining us.
3: Yeah. Thanks for having me here. And I can direct folks again to that southerncovercrops.org site for information sheets on cover cropping. Um, Depending where you are in the state too, the Midwest Cover Crop Council, which um, deals with Southern Indiana Mm -hmm. and Southern Illinois, has a really nice selection tool as well. And folks can also always look me up and contact me with any questions too. Well, we appreciate your time and we're glad you could join us today. Yeah.
1: Thanks again. Yeah,
3: Thank you. Take care, everyone.
1: Some good points there from Dr. Haramoto. We put the... The uh, links to the different websites that she, uh, she mentioned there in the description, so be sure to check those out. That southerncoveredcrops.org website's a great resource. And also, like we mentioned before, that AGR-18 that they mm-hmm. redid to incorporate cover crops and cover crop seeding. Uh, that's also a great resource if you're looking at sowing some cover crops this fall as, as the crops come off.
0: Yeah, and that's everybody's got a different situation, so it is worth it to look at those documents and talk with us as local agent.
2: Real quick, we want to thank you all for listening. I know we've got some of y'all listening on ABE 93.7 on Saturday mornings at 8.05 mm-hmm. and on podcast platforms like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. We're all on Facebook and can be easily contacted that way. So does that wrap up another week for us?
0: I believe it does. Are we done? I think that's got it. Yeah. All right,
2: well, we'll see you guys next week. See ya. All right.
0: See ya.